do you remember dad? I looked about my sister. Just like always, it was like looking into a mirror where the reflection was just slightly off. Subtle differences here and there that most people wouldn't even notice, but were obvious to me. I shook my head as I took another bite of my sandwich. We only had 30 minutes for lunch, and I wanted to finish eating, so we had time to play a bit before the teacher called us back in. No? My sister watched for a few moments before nodding. It's better that way. I shrugged as I swallowed down the wad of bread and peanut butter. I wish I did, though. Meeting her eyes, I raised an eyebrow. Do you? She mimicked my shrug. Yeah, some. In time, so will you. What did that mean? I went to ask when a painful, twisting sensation gripped my belly. I dropped the last of my sandwich as I clutched my stomach, the aching pressure of something coming up filling my throat and then my mouth as I vomited out a mixture of my lunch and... What was that? A little wooden tile? Still coughing and gagging a little, I poked at the small pile of throw up with the toe of my shoe, flipping over the little wooden tile where it lay in the wet grass. On the other side was a letter. M. And beside it, in lower, smaller type, was the number three. I stared at it in confusion. Where did this come from? Raising my head to look at my sister, another wave of nausea gripped me. Retching, I spat out a small square that fluttered to the ground next to where the letter tile lay. Eyes watering, I finally looked up at my sister, expecting her to be surprised or even horrified. Instead, she was just watching me silently. What's happening? Why would I puke that up? She shrugged. I don't know. There must be a reason. What was that second thing you just threw up? Grimacing, I bent down and picked it up, my fear and curiosity overriding my disgust as I gave it a shake and brought it closer. I felt myself gag again. It stank. Going over to the water fountain, I washed it off quickly before bringing it back to where my sister sat patiently waiting. Holding it out between my thumb and forefinger, I showed it to her. I think it's a slide. Like an old-timey photo like they showed us on the projector thing that time? I turned it over in my hand. It's like someone cut away most of the paper part and just left the picture on a little paper edge. My heart was hammering in my chest and I could hear the tremor in my voice when I spoke next. But how did this get inside me? I didn't need this. Why would I? She frowned and nodded. No, I... I believe you. It's weird, right? What does the slideshow? Wiping my mouth with the back of my hand, I raised my other arm toward the sky as I squinted into the small, dark square. It wasn't a picture there. Not really. It was just words. White letters on a dark brown background. It said, Recursion. 
a problem, function, or process that repeats and defines itself, at least partially, by itself. The next time I vomited was three years later when I was 12. I was alone in the bathtub. My sister was already in bed, and our foster parents were downstairs watching television. It was scarier this time. Not because I didn't know what was going on, but because I did immediately. That first day on the playground had been so terrifying and strange. When my sister said we shouldn't tell anyone, I was happy to agree, wanting to forget it all with a desperation that the nine-year-old me had never known before. But I hadn't forgotten. And I kept the tile and the slide, even when we moved back to the orphanage and then onto these new parents a few months later. And in the tub, the momentary surprise and shock was quickly overcome by the instinct to catch what fell from my mouth in trembling hands and lay it out to dry. It was another letter tile. This one, an A, with a small one next to it. And following that, another cut-down slide. This one said, A recursive loop is a special kind of looping construct. As opposed to a normal, infinite loop, a recursive loop has an ending, with each repetition potentially bringing the process to the intended goal and terminating the loop. You think I'm crazy, don't you? I stared at Andrew with a mixture of anxiety and anger. He hadn't said anything when I was explaining what I'd been going through since I was a kid, and even now he was just looking at me, his face unreadable. Lifting his eyebrows, he gave a small shake of his head. No, I I don't think so. It's strange, sure, but I don't think you're crazy or a liar. And there's plenty of strange things we don't understand, right? Unable to help myself, I leaned forward and gave him a tearful hug. I... I can show you. I have proof, I just... You asked if I was okay when I had to get up and run to the bathroom, and I was just going to say, yeah, I'm okay, but... And I was like, no, I'm not okay, and I feel really connected to you. You know? Like, if anyone would understand, it'd be you. But I was scared you wouldn't, and... He rubbed my back and gave me a small laugh. (laughs) Slow down. It's okay. Yeah, I believe you. I can't tell you what's causing it, but... I believe you. Pulling back, he met my gaze. Have you been to a doctor? A therapist? Eyes widening, he raised his hand. I'm not... (laughs) I'm not saying you're crazy, I'm not, but there's stuff where people eat weird shit, right? I think it's called pika or something? I shook my head. No, I, I've never told anyone but my sister and, well, you've met her. She hasn't talked to anyone much other than me. I wiped at my eyes. It feels really good to tell someone else. Andrew nodded. Yeah, she's not super outgoing, that's for sure. But that's my point. Maybe you're, like, sleepwalking and eating stuff without realizing it? I shrugged. I've considered it, but it's just so weird and specific that I don't see how. Rolling my eyes, I stood up. 
Let me just go get the stuff so you can see it. It'll make it easier to explain. A couple of minutes, and I was back sitting across from him on my bed with the box I'd pulled out from the top of my closet, as well as the tile and slide I left on the back of my toilet from earlier in the night. Wrinkling his nose, he grimaced. Man, they really do smell, don't they? I felt a heat flood my face. Oh, fuck, you want me to go clean them more? I did wash them off, but I'm sorry it's so gross. He barely seemed to hear me as he looked at the tile and slide laying on my comforter next to the box. Jesus, it's really just like you said. A K tile with the letter score. Five. Looking back up at me, his expression was serious. Have you read this slide yet? I shook my head. I was about to when you knocked on the bedroom door. You want to read it now? I was reaching for it when he touched my arm. Show me what's in the box first. M3. Recursion. A problem, function, or process that repeats and defines itself at least partially by itself. A1. A recursive loop is a special kind of looping construct. As opposed to a normal infinite loop, a recursive loop has an ending, with each repetition potentially bringing the process to the intended goal and terminating the loop. G2. The intended goal of a recursive loop is to invoke the entity being defined from within its own loop. It will be called over and over until the loop is answered and satisfied. This is true in mathematics and computer logic, but these are just flawed reflections of prime systems that are now more perfect and true. Time is a selfish liar. Flesh and will are the truth, and by these truths, we can evolve and be free. I won. Through mastering of perception, I thought we can control consciousness. By controlling consciousness, we can focus our will. By focusing our will, we can make ourselves new. Ritual is the structure. Flesh and pain and focused will are necessary variables. We will be whole through division and find singularity through repetition. I will break the bones of time and causality and reality until they have no choice but to let me go. I will spit and merge and eat and vomit and live and die until it is done. I will ascend until I am ascended. I stared at Andrew as he turned off the light on his phone. The text on the fourth was so small and cramped, he'd had to shine a light through the slide to project it on the wall. Still staring at the spot on the wall where the words had been, he looked as shaken as I felt. That one... That one scared me the most somehow. It was so strange, so... Insane. Made everything feel worse, more... Poisonous, somehow. Unable to look at him, I stared back down at the tiles and sucked in my breath. It's all happened so fast tonight, I didn't even think about the letters. I think they... I think they spell out magic. 
Andrew frowned at me. You were a literature major in college, right? So you know better than me, maybe, but isn't magic spelt with a C? I nodded. Now it is. But in older stuff, like Old English, it was always spelled with a K. And maybe that's not the word, but that's the order I, uh, I got the tiles. Shuddering, I stood up and began pacing again. This is all too much. I haven't looked at this stuff since I was in college, and that was five years ago. I'd almost started to think it had stopped, like it, I was growing out of it, as stupid as that sounds. It's not stupid, it's, it's just... It's just weird, and... Hey, wait a second. Andrew was looking at the tiles again, moving them around into a different order. Wait. What the fuck? His expression was troubled when he lifted his eyes again. It's... Fibonacci. I raised an eyebrow. It's... what? He shook his head, clearly frustrated. Look, I took a bunch of math and computer science my first three years of college, and I don't remember it all, but some of what the first slides were saying about recursive loops and all, that's true. I had a class that talked about that, and one of the best-known examples of a recursive is the Fibonacci sequence. When I just stared, he went on. Okay, so if I remember right, Fibonacci numbers are defined by the two numbers that came before them in the sequence. So you start with 1, and then the next is the sum of 0 and 1, so it's 1 again. And then it's 1 and 1, which makes 2. And then 2 and 1, that makes 3. 3 and 2, and that makes 5, and so on. But don't you see? The letters on these tiles spell magic, but in a different order. The letter scores on the tiles are the first five numbers of the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, I think I get that. But couldn't that just be a coincidence? He started to respond and then stopped, seeming deep in thought. It could be, I guess, but I think Fibonacci is kind of a big thing. I remember the professor talking about how it shows up in patterns all around us, like in nature and stuff. And that was talked about in our textbooks, too, so he wasn't just pulling it out of his ass. Andrew met my eyes. Besides, what are the odds that the tiles accidentally match the Fibonacci sequence when the slides talk about recursion? I let out a short laugh I didn't feel. <laughs> they also talk about rituals and stuff. It's a bunch of crazy bullshit. I just... <sighs> I don't understand how someone is getting to me. Putting it in me. It was Andrew's turn to give a hollow laugh. <laughs> Maybe it's magic. Or magic. Tears sprang to my eyes. It's not funny. Do you understand how scary and, and violating this is? Someone is doing this to me and I don't know how to stop it. His face fell. I'm sorry. You're right, it, it's just... It's freaking me out, too. 
and I make jokes when I'm nervous. He looked like he was about to stand up and come to me when his gaze fell on the slide I'd thrown up in the bathroom a little earlier. He looked back up at me, his expression unreadable. You haven't looked at it yet. I felt a chill wash over me as I took an instinctive step back. No. I'm done with this. You read it if you want. I... I can't. He nodded, licking his lips nervously as he reached for it and held it up to the light. After a moment, he looked back at me. Do you want me to read it to you? It's weird, but it's shorter. I felt a shiver as I looked away. Yeah, fine. Come to me. Come to me. You're invited by word and deed. Come to me. Come to me. By this offering, you will be freed. Come to me. Come to me. Wards are mist and chains are dust, for there is only one of us. Glancing up, Andrew's gaze went past me in a look of surprised recognition. Oh, hey, Mary. The next moment, there was a crackling boom behind me as the top of Andrew's head exploded against the bedroom wall. Why are you doing this? My sister hadn't said much since killing Andrew other than telling me to help her load the body into the trunk of her car before forcing me to get in. She'd zip-tied me to the passenger door handle as well, making it hard to turn and look as she drove us out into the desert. When I asked the question for the fourth time, she finally shot me a dark look and answered, her voice cold. Because it's part of it. It's all part of it. I do it this time, and next time you'll do it to the next of us. We'll keep going until it's perfect and finished. I stared at her. Are you talking about the slides? She slowed down as she made a wide turn into a dirt road. The sky was growing dark, and the whirls of red dust looked like dying embers in the headlights. Nodding, she looked back to me. But the slides are just part of it. The tiles, too. I know it doesn't make any sense to you. You'll see more on the next cycle, but I don't know that much more than you, really. Just that it's all part of a bigger ritual. A larger formula that must be completed for us to be complete. Frowning, I shook my head. But you're saying there's going to be another time like this and I'll be like you? My sister laughed. <laughs> Not like me. You are me. And I'm you. And we're all variations of him or, or her. I don't know. It's hard to see the beginning and the end from the middle. Depending on the loop, we are our own siblings, our own parents, our own lovers. Every combination of permutation until we find the delicate balance between order and chaos. Between structure and freedom. That's how we ascend. 
Wait, who's him or her? Who else is part of this? She smirked. Andrew, in the back for one. He's part of us, though he didn't realize it, I don't think. And her father is up here waiting. Her smile faded away. Him and the other one. I lurched forward as she slammed on the brakes. We're here. I looked up to see we were outside of a huge rock face, and buried in that rock face was a large metal door. Nearby was a sign that was rusted through in several spots, though I could still faintly read the name in the glow of the headlights. Tattersall Security. Are we going in there? Mary glanced at the metal door and back to me. (laughs) Fuck no. There's something buried down there that you don't want waking up, but location is important and this place is powerful. We're going over the next hill. Leaning over, she cut my zip tie. Get out and help me carry Andy. I could see the glow of firelight before we reached the crest of the hill. I was carrying Andy's feet and his gray ruined face stared at me sadly as his head lolled back and forth with every jolting step across sand and rock and bush. My sister was insane. She'd murdered my boyfriend and now she was going to kill... Below us, a man stood by a large bonfire watching our approach. I could only make out so much in the dancing flame and shadow, but it was enough to see it looked like Andrew, or at least what I'd imagine Andrew might look like in another thirty years. I wondered how that was possible, but then I saw motion in the shadows behind the man as something began crawling out into the light. When a flick of fire revealed it, I dropped Andrew's feet and let out a scream. It was a mound of meat, bristling with rolls of gray flesh punctuated by ridges of bone that pressed the sickly meat white here and there. Its movements were slow and painful as it slid across the sand, each gesture tearing the flesh or reopening old weeping wounds in a dozen different places. As it drew closer to the fire, I saw its melted tumor of a head, topped with a puddle of features that might have once been an eyes and a nose, but they were all stretched and distorted like putty pulled too thin or pressed too hard. Only the mouth remained defined, round and wet and impossibly large, as it snaked out a crooked tongue across its dirt-caked lips. Jesus, pick him back up before he rolls down by himself. She looked down at the man that looked like a man. He was dropping what looked like a letter tile and then a slide down the monster's ghastly gullet, each swallow followed by a thick-sounding satisfied smack from the thing. Sorry, Dad, but I guess I did the same thing, didn't I? He gave her a sardonic smile. Most of us do. Hurry up. The window has arrived. We need to close this loop now. Looking back at me, Mary glared until I bent down and picked up Andrew's feet. I focused on his dead face now. Better that than... What is that thing down there? I tried to whisper, but my voice sounded loud in my own ears. 
It's one of the first of us. Maybe the first, I don't know. Apparently time isn't just a liar, it's a vengeful fucking bitch. Trying to fuck the so-called natural order leads to the natural order fucking you back. She scowled. It's okay. We're stronger and smarter and we're winning our freedom one loop at a time. I could only partially absorb what she was saying. We were getting close to the man and the monster now and I tried to put Andrew down again. She shot daggers at me. Don't you fucking do it. We have to feed him to complete his part of the loop. I stared at her in horror. Feed him into what? She cocked her head toward wet, smacking mouth that lay open and waiting nearby. You know. Just do it. I jumped as the man spoke again. Hurry, girls. The loop is getting smaller every time, but not if we don't take advantage of these windows when we can start again. Pitch him in. He sounded like Andrew, too. Stifling a sob, I swung the body and let go, sending it into the mouth of the thing. Wet tearing and popping filled my ears as it began to chew him up. In a matter of moments, Andrew was gone. Good. Now you. Turning around, I saw the man was staring at me expectantly. What are you talking about? You're not feet... I grunted as I was shoved hard from behind, pitching me forward into the wet and waiting maw, tumbling into a black hole with no light or sound, just a terrible pressure crushing me without time until I heard myself being born. Do you remember our father? My sister looked up at me from her cheese sandwich. We were identical in nearly every way, but I could still tell the difference, even if others couldn't. She was more imaginative, maybe stronger. I felt a stir of excitement as I wondered at the progress we could make this time around. No. Do you? I nodded, trying to hide my shiver. A little, yeah. Don't worry. In time, you will too. My grandfather was one of the sweetest men that ever lived. He would always have a big smile on his face and everyone loved him. I've only seen him get angry one time in my life and it actually scared me to see him like that. I discovered a story about something called the Emu Wars, where soldiers were used to hunt down emus, and I was laughing about how ridiculous it sounded. My grandfather started screaming at me, telling me not to talk about something that I knew nothing about. He stormed out of the house while I stood there shaking in fear. A couple of days later, he returned to our house to apologize for screaming at me. He could see the confusion on my face, and I could tell how terrible he felt. I apologized for making fun of the emu wars, as I just thought it was funny. He told me to sit down, as he wanted to share his experiences with me. I sat down and waited, as he began to tell his tale. 
I had joined the military when I was 18, as I had been living with an abusive father and this seemed like the perfect way to escape. I completed basic training and was assigned to a base. There was very little to do on a daily basis, so we were constantly just training and having fun. Our base commander was an older soldier who didn't care about what happened, as long as no one did anything stupid. One morning we were all called out for an assembly and we were all quite excited as we hoped we might get some action. You could see the evident disappointment on everyone's faces as we were told that we were being mobilized to deal with a herd of emus. They were causing trouble for farmers and we were being sent out to call them. We were told to be ready by 12 the next morning. Everyone was giddy the next morning as it seemed like a fun excursion. There were about 325 of us loaded into trucks as we headed out. It was a long and tedious journey and the mood quickly darkened as the heat slowly wore down everyone's mood. There was very little to look at in any direction with only the occasional house. We finally stopped after almost an 8 hour journey and I could see the relief on the other guys faces as we jumped off the trucks. My legs were aching from not moving so long and I had to stretch for a minute to get some feeling in them. We were in a remote location with nothing to see in any direction. Our base commander approached us and explained that a herd of emus was seen about 10 miles from here and that we would need to walk to get there as the terrain was very bad. He left out about 50 of us back with the trucks while the rest of us marched along. We finally reached the summit of a steep hill and gazed down to see about 250 emus on the far side. The commander ordered us to set up our weapons. We all set up and waited the order to fire. I was a very good shooter and lined up my rifle on one of the closest birds. The sound was deafening when we all opened fire. I watched as my bullet destroyed half of the face of the bird I'd been aiming at. Their gaze all turned on us and seemed to be challenging us. The bird I'd shot seemed to be glaring at me with one good eye. A few of the other soldiers took a few steps backwards as the stares from the birds made them feel uncomfortable. The commander ordered us to fire again and stop being such cowards. I once again targeted the same bird and watched in amazement as it somehow dodged the bullet at the last possible moment. Somehow, with all the bullets we fired, only ten or so of the animals lay on the ground dead. I could see the hatred in their eyes as they gazed up at us. The commander was giving us the order to fire another round when the animals suddenly took off running in the opposite direction. We stood there for a few moments, watching them disappear off into the horizon. We were finally ordered to pack up our stuff as it was starting to get dark. We marched back in a disorderly fashion and were constantly on our guard as we could hear running feet on all sides. The emus kept appearing in small groups for a few moments before running away after we opened fire. I could hear the fear in the commander's voice as he ordered us to stop firing as we were just wasting bullets. 
We kept stopping for breaks as the rest of the company were scared and needed to go to the toilet all the time. It was almost pitch black when we arrived back at the trucks and were met by scenes of carnage. The bodies of the soldiers that were left behind were strewn about the site with their insides ripped out. The trucks had been savagely attacked as there were evidence scrapes and dents on all of them. Whatever had attacked them had taken them completely by surprise as many of them didn't have their guns in their hands. We were all standing there frozen in terror when one of the emus walked out of the shadows and began plucking out an eye from one of the bodies. I raised my gun to shoot, but it ran off before I could get a shot off. We stood there, not speaking for a few moments, until the commander ordered us to set up a defensive ring and drag the bodies out of the way. Everyone began rushing in pandemonium as we were just so freaked out. It took us almost an hour to move the bodies and then set up a defense around the trucks. I don't think any of us got much sleep that night as we were all on edge. I was awoken the next morning by panicked voices. I pushed myself off the rough ground and walked over to see what was going on. I listened to the conversation to discover that all the bodies were missing as something had dragged them all off when we weren't paying attention. The commander told us to stop panicking and jump into the trucks so we can get the fuck out of here. We rushed to gather up our supplies and jumped in the back of the trucks. There was a sense of relief on people's faces as we knew we were finally getting away from this godforsaken place. That relief was short-lived as none of the trucks would start. The damage that had been inflicted on them had rendered them completely useless. We stood around deciding what to do when a scream made us all spin around. My mouth hung agape as I gazed at the thousands of emus that had somehow snuck up on us and now surrounded us on all sides. We all began to back up against each other in a vain attempt to get away from them. I recognized the bird I'd shot earlier as it stood front and center amongst the others. His face had neen crippled by my bullet and his eyes seemed to be glowing. It turned around and all the other birds followed its lead. None of us had even thought to raise our guns as we were just so terrified. It took a few minutes for everyone to relax as we all stood huddled together. The commander grabbed a map and discovered the nearest town was about six days walk from here. Most of our food supplies had been destroyed so we were ordered to grab anything that was salvageable and prepare to march. It took a lot longer to get ready than usual as people were fighting over food and water. It almost resulted in fistfights, but the commander managed to calm everyone down by pointing out we had bigger concerns. We eventually started marching in a very complex fashion as we were all trying to use others as cover in case of another attack. We were constantly being hounded by the emus as they would suddenly appear in the distance before quickly disappearing from sight. We were all constantly on edge as we'd never seen anything like it. We'd probably been marching for three hours when the attack began.
nowhere. There were hundreds of them. I watched as one of them knocked the person beside me to the ground and then used its claw to rip his throat out. The attack was so sudden that many of us hadn't even had a chance to reach for our guns. I managed to grab my gun and kill the closest emu to me. I was about to fire on another bird, but they all suddenly fled. We lost another 40 soldiers in this attack. My kill had been the only confirmed emu kill. There were a few injuries, but nothing severe, so we continued to march after grabbing supplies from the corpses. Everyone walked along with their weapons ready in case of another attack. It slowly began to dawn on us that we might not make it out of this alive. We set up camp that night with 25 guards on rotating shifts. I had the first shift, and I could hear noises in the distance as they seemed to be circling us. I lay down on the ground after my shift and fell asleep instantly due to exhaustion. I was awoken by screams all around us and the sound of rushing feet. I grabbed my gun to discover the emos were launching hit-and-run attacks on us. I heard a noise behind me and spun around and fired my gun. I watched in horror as I looked at the commander's face and noticed the blood pouring out of the gunshot wound in his neck. He collapsed on the ground while the screams of agony and fear surrounded me. The next morning we discovered we had lost another 57 men. Five of them had died from friendly fire and I was thankful that no one realized I was responsible for the commander's death. We began to march, but it was obvious that many of us seemed like they'd already given up. The next few days were chaotic, as we were being attacked every few minutes. There were less than 15 of us alive at this point, as the damn birds killed everyone they could get close to. We'd passed numerous houses as we marched, but we discovered that all the inhabitants had been slaughtered by the birds. The bird I'd shot at the start was always watching me from the distance, and I felt like he was mocking me. We were barely able to stand, and I suggested we take cover inside the next house, as we can grab cover inside. It took us an hour to reach the next house, which was a two-story. We quickly used what we could find in the house to try and make the house more secure. We pushed furniture in front of the windows and used wood to barricade the door shut. We were running desperately low on ammo as most of our supplies had been lost in our march. We grabbed knives and whatever else we could find to use as alternative weapons. We all looked at each other with a look of defeat as we all knew this was going to be our last stand. We set ourselves up in different positions around the house in hopes of holding out for as long as possible. We knew we didn't stand a chance against these demonic creatures as they seemed hell-bent on wiping us out. The hammering at the outside of the building started just after it got dark. It was coming from all sides as the emus tried to force a way in. I heard the sounds of sporadic gunfire from upstairs as they fired down on top of them. It took less than an hour for them to get inside trying to use a choke point to funnel them so that we could kill them. Unfortunately, this only worked for a minute or two as they breached the house from multiple locations. I was forced to retreat up the stairs and watch as they slaughtered everyone on the bottom floor.
I locked myself in a bedroom and I knew that I would probably die in there. I'd lost my gun while fleeing and now my only weapon was a kitchen knife. The creatures had made their way upstairs and I could hear screams quickly being cut off in the other rooms. Everything was now deathly silent as I awaited my fate. I was near exhaustion. I must have dozed off. I awoke the next morning to silence and wondered what had happened. I opened the door to find the house soaked with blood, but devoid of body. I made my way downstairs and walked out the front door. I froze in my steps, felt my bladder release as I gazed out. Thousands of emus stood outside and they all gazed at me. The emu I'd shot stood at the very front and he seemed to be smiling with what was left of his face. They suddenly all moved and a small gap opened up in between their ranks. I cautiously moved forward as I feared they intended to surround me and kill me. After I made it through, they suddenly ran off in the other direction. It took me another two days to finally reach someone living. It took me another week to get back to my base. No one would believe me at first, and a number of high-ranking officers arrived as they wanted to know how so many soldiers could just disappear. They organized another mission with over a thousand heavily armed soldiers. They brought spare trucks to hopefully rescue any other survivors. I kept getting weird looks from the other soldiers as they thought I was somehow responsible for this. They stopped looking at me like this as we started passing the blood-soaked locations where we'd been attacked. We eventually reached the trucks that we had originally used and were shocked to discover the mutilated bodies of the soldiers that had accompanied me. The officers looked bewildered as they didn't know how to react to the sight. They all stood there with their mouths hanging agape as the hordes of emus suddenly surrounded us. They were soaked in blood and seemed to be challenging us. The officers quickly began issuing orders and the soldiers began to gather up the remains and load them into the trucks. We left the site as quickly as we possibly could while the emus watched from a distance. The military made up a ton of bullshit to cover up what happened and paid off soldiers' families. I was then forced out of the army and threatened with prison if I ever said anything to anyone. I gazed at my grandfather in shock as he sat there weeping. He made me swear that I wouldn't say a word of this while he was still alive. I kept my promise as he passed away a few years ago and I finally decided to share his tale. Be careful of emos, as there's something not quite right about them. <laughs>